preach while he's on vacation. So uh, I'm going to do that today. And I'm looking forward to share some cool things with you out of the book of Acts. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of context of where we're at. Basically, uh, we're going to be at the, the starting of the first church. So uh, where we're at in Acts is uh, it's after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter has preached at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit has moved in a huge way and 3,000 people got saved. So I was kind of hoping that that same thing would happen today, but it doesn't look like 3,000 people are going to get saved. But uh, anyways, uh, we're going to start there in Acts 2 verses 42 through 47, if you'll read with me. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to any as had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Would you guys pray with me? Uh, dear gracious heavenly Father, God, we just we're just happy to be in in your church today, God. We're we're happy to be a part of this family. Um, I just pray that you would show us cool things through the Scripture. Um, God, just excite us with your Holy Spirit, stir us up, um, wake us up, God. Uh, make us make us a church that loves you and that is devoted to your truths. We pray this in your holy, righteous name. Amen. For the last few months, the youth have been going over spiritual disciplines. Uh, Andrew kind of worked this thing up and he had the discipline of fellowship, the discipline of church, um, just all these different disciplines, the discipline of prayer. And uh, the youth have been going over those. And Gary's been teaching them. He asked Gary, I, and Joseph to come up with some, some lessons. And one of the disciplines I got was the discipline of church. And this was the passage that Andrew uh, recommended to me. So when I was reading over it, man, I just, I kind of fell in love with some of the stuff from, and I started to get excited because there's some cool truths in this passage. And I think they apply to our church. Our church is growing. Our church is expanding. And uh, I think God is moving in our church. And uh, that's what's happening in this church. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to walk through this passage together and see what it has to say to us. So if you'd look with me in verse 42, that's where we're going to start. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Okay, so there's four things in this passage that the first church was devoted to. Okay, so what does it mean to be devoted to something? That means that you're all in on that. You're invested in that. You're giving yourself to that. So you're, you're committed to that. And, and don't look at me like, hey, you're a 25-year-old guy. What do you know about commitment? Okay, I don't know a lot about it, but I know what the definition is. So, uh, you know, you're given to it. You're, you're saying, hey, this is important to me. I'm going to invest time and effort and energy into that. And so that's what, that's what we're to think when we see the words they were devoted to. So let's look at the things that they were devoted to. The first thing that we see that this church was devoted to, given to, investing in, was the apostles' teaching. So there are several things we see here in devoted to the apostles' teaching. These believers are new Christians. They've all just been saved. They've they've all just came to faith in Christ. And they have a hunger. They have a big desire to want to know more about God. So, And that's something that that we can all relate to, right? When we get saved, we want to know more about God. And and the funny thing is the message that was given to these people was was kind of a a message of of telling them how they were sinful. And now they're craving more. They want to know more about God. And, And that happens to us too. 
And so uh, they want to know more about Christ. They want to experience him more in their life. And it takes time to learn this stuff. It takes time whenever you're learning something new. I've been playing the guitar for over a year and a half, and I'm not advancing because I don't put time and effort into it. I'm kind of stuck at this one spot. I can play like three praise songs because they're all the same chords, but I'm not moving forward because I need to give more time to it. Um, and and when, you're, when you're trying to teach someone something, it takes time and energy and repetition. So I was, I was thinking about my dad. When I was younger, when he wanted to tell me something, that repetition was a big key to that. Time and energy and repetition. And as a matter of fact, most of his sentence started off with, how many times do I have to tell you? And then followed whatever he's going to say. So there, there's a lot of truth to that. We need to, we need to pour over this stuff again and again. And that's what the first church is doing. They're meeting together and, and they're wanting to hear these truths. And they're wanting to expand their knowledge of Christ. And um, what, what comes with that is submission to the apostles. So they have these teachers over them and they need to submit to their authority. They need to say, uh, we need someone who understands this stuff. And then we're going to listen to what they have to say because they're experienced in it. So they're, they're listening to these guys because these guys, these guys were with Jesus for three years. They, were, they lived in close fellowship and relationship to him. So they, they found some good teachers. And I think that's important for us as believers to do is to find good teachers. Because some of us, a lot of people out there, they believe some foolish things. And uh, you, can, you can find anybody who will agree with you if you look hard enough. It doesn't, it doesn't take uh, much effort. You can find someone who will back you up on stuff. So uh, we need to have good teachers. The main point of this passage is, uh, of the apostles' teaching is spiritual advancement. So uh, they, they want to move forward. They want to grow. And I think that's, that's key uh, to a believer's life. We, we should always be pressing forward. We should be raising the bar. And we should every, every day, every week, every month, we should be wanting to know more about Christ and what he's done for us. Because he's done some amazing things. I've been meeting with Colton and Brendan. Um, they, they just got baptized here. Uh, Colton and Brendan, they got baptized about two months ago, I think. So I've been meeting with them um, ever since. And when I, I went to their house, they asked me, they said, Daniel, let's go through a book of the Bible together. So I was excited because, you know, like, I was like, why didn't I think of that? You know, so they asked me and I said, all right, let's do that. Let's go through the book of John. So we started, we started in John chapter one and we walked through that and they had some questions and um, then I said to him, I said, all right, just keep going over the book of John and, and I'll be back in a couple weeks and we'll talk about any questions you have and, and we'll see, you know, how far you've got. So I come back uh, two weeks later, I get back uh, two or three weeks later and uh, they, I asked him, I said, all right, where do we need to pick up? Where do we need to start? And they said, well, I, I don't know. And they're they kind of looking down and at their shoes and they look discouraged. And I was like, hey, do we need to start in chapter two? That's fine. We can do that. Do we need to start in chapter three. And they're like, well, we made it a little ways. And I said, well, just tell me where you got. And they said, well, we only got through chapter 21. And I said, you only got through chapter 21. I said, that, that's the whole book of John. So I was excited. And they were like, yeah, we just, we just feel, I was like, there's grown adults who don't read 20 chapters in a whole month. And, and you guys did it in a few weeks. Uh, I was excited. And, and that's what I believe is going on in the scripture. Man, these people, they're fueled by the Holy Spirit. And they have a desire to want to know more. And, uh, and that, kind of, that kind of passion pushed through you by the Holy Spirit, that can convict adults when kids are sitting there going through their Bibles like that. That was encouraging to me. So um, that is a great expression of what's going on in this church. The second thing it tells us that they're devoted to, that they're given to, that they're investing in is fellowship. Okay, so we're Baptist. If there's one thing in here that we got down, it's fellowship, right? 
I mean, we named a hall after it, right down the hall, the Fellowship Hall. We've got this thing figured out. And we go in droves to big dans and, and play Azul and places to eat when we're done. We're good at this, right? Well, I, I think that their fellowship here, it extended far beyond the doors of the Fellowship Hall. And it went far beyond just eating together after church. Um, this is a church that does life together. Let's read in verses 44 through 47. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this is, this is a group of people who, who does life together. They know each other. They have, they have real, true, deep, Christ-centered relationships, and they're pressing into each other. Um, they know each other's needs, they, and, and they're willing to provide for. I, I need to clarify, clarify this because I know when, as soon as I read it, like everybody in the audience was worried. Uh, selling all their, their possessions and, and giving to any that has need. Okay, it says they, they were selling their possessions. It doesn't say they sold all their possessions. So it doesn't mean we're all going to have to sell all, all of our stuff and put it in a big pot in the middle and redistribute it. It's just saying that when they saw each other in need, they met needs. And, and that meant they made sacrifices for each other. Sometimes that would look like um, selling something of yours to provide. Um, it's, it's, it's like a family operates. So it's, it's being sacrificial to each other. So that, that's what this group of people do. They do life together. True fellowship among Christians, it always looks like this. Um, these are Christ-centered relationships. People doing life together who have been affected by Jesus. And um, you, you always have this in, in Christ-centered relationships. Fellowships is one of my favorite disciplines. I have several men in my life that they really invest in me. Um, they invest time and, and energy and uh, we, we meet together weekly. I have an accountability group. And man, these guys, this has been one of the best things for my spiritual walk. These guys know me. Uh, we have a transparency in our walk and we, man, we just, we press into each other. When, when we have sin in our life, we openly confess it and we, we work on it together. And man, those are some of the best relationships I have in my life. And, and that's what this church is about. So the first thing we have is we have apostles teaching. They, they want to spiritually advance. And then we have this, this fellowship amongst believers. They, they want to see each other uh, growing. And they want to press into each other's life and have good Christ-centered relationships. This third one is the breaking of bread. Okay, this does not mean that we get to devote ourselves to eating. I, I, I wish it said that, but it doesn't. Um, I think this is referring to the Lord's Supper. Uh, for one, the same language is used in Luke 22, 1 Corinthians 11, Matthew 26, and Acts 20. Um, this breaking of bread in reference to communion. Another big support is that everything in verse 42 of our passage is, is spiritual in mind and it's meant to unify. And I, man, I, this got me excited the other day. Um, I, I was reading a commentary and this is a quote from uh, MacArthur. Partaking in the Lord's Supper as a church is an amazing picture of unity. There's no place of prominence at the foot of the cross. Young and old alike come as broken, sinful people who remember that our salvation came at the cost of Jesus' broken body and his shed blood for our sins. You know, how awesome is that? That's how we're unified. We're unified with our, with our need for Christ and our, our love for the benefits that he gives us. Um, I go to multiple services every Sunday and... Uh, at every service last week, we, we did communion and Jason and the deacons were at every service and at every service, they partook of communion. 
And I was thinking about, why is that? And it's not because those guys like crackers and juice. It's, it's because those guys are completely just like us, dependent on Jesus Christ. Man, they, they need his grace. I was thinking, it, man, the cool thing about that is it doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for, for 30 seconds or 30 years. Your hope's in Christ. And that, that's where we're all at. Our hope is in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And that, man, that excites me that we can be unified over that. It puts us all on the same playing field. Um, I, you know, I, we can't set up here and say, well, I've, you know, I know all this about the Bible. Man, we're all, we all need Jesus. So the, the fourth thing they devoted themselves to is prayer. Prayer is communicating with our Heavenly Father. What does it mean to be devoted to prayer? So they're giving themselves to this. They're, they're spending time in this. I believe what this church was is, is they prayerfully brought everything unto God in prayer. And um, Philippians 4, 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So don't be anxious about anything. So bring everything to God. I started to think about like when I was a kid, um, what it meant to not be anxious. I don't know what that's like now that I'm an adult. I've got a lot of stuff going on. And I'm, you know, I'm worrying about stuff. But when I was a kid, I didn't worry about anything. I, I didn't have a, a cell phone. I didn't have a wallet. If I would have had a wallet, I wouldn't have had any money to put into it. So I didn't really need one. But I would, man, I would just run outside and I would go do whatever and not think about anything and hang out with my friends. If I did uh, need something, I would ask my dad. And then I would just trust him. So I'd say, hey, dad, I, I need lunch money for school. And he'd, he'd say something like, hey, didn't I give you lunch money a month ago? And I'd be like, yeah, but I used it all. But, but you know, we, we, have to, we have to depend on our heavenly father just like we do our dad. We, we ask and our heavenly father's good to give us what we need. I think that is, that's just, it's one and the same. Um, I, I think that we need to uh, make, make requests to God and expect him to do things and treat us right. Sometimes in prayer, we, we end up telling God what our will is rather than asking God to bring us under his will. And I think that's something else we also need to remember. Um, I, I wouldn't go and tell my dad what to do. I, I'd ask him what was best for me. So what does this bring about? They're devoted to all these things. Uh, they're given to all these things. They see them as important and they're investing into them. Uh, in verse 42, we see that they're devoted to the apostles' teaching spiritual advancement, wanting to move forward in their relationship with Christ, fellowship, doing life together, Christ-centered relationships, close relationships, the breaking of bread, communion, remembering what Christ did on the cross, and prayers, talking with God. So what did this produce in them? What did, what did this bring about in their lives? Well, this, this brought about unity. Let's read um, starting in verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God for ha- and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this is a church that is unified. They, they believe the same things. They have a common interest. It's all based on Christ. And they were all of one mind and one heart. And the truth is that a church that is unified in spiritual duties ends up becoming a church that is unified in spiritual character. So they, they play off each other. You, you have to be unified in your spiritual duties in order for that to produce a spiritual character. So I, I just think that that's important. Um, this passage is a beautiful representation of the church as a family. And I, I wrote down several reasons that I think the church is like a family. And we're going to go through those. 
Um, in a family, you say, how can I serve? So um, in, in a family, you work together to accomplish tasks, uh, big and small alike. You say, hey, what can I do to, what can I do to help you? That's how a family family works. Now, there is some room for grace. Uh, my brother, uh, Pastor Chris, he has a little baby boy, and he can't really ask him to go mow the yard or do the dishes yet. You know, he's only six months old. So I think there's, there's grace to be understood there. The same goes for, for new spiritual Christians. Um, we need to understand that uh, they, they're going to have a capacity to serve, but it'll take a little time for them to get there. And, uh, but we as, we as mature Christians who've been Christians for a while, we need, to, we need to do that. We need to say, what way can I serve? How can I help out? And what can I do? Um, another th- way the family is like a church is one person's problem is everyone's problem. And in a family, man, I, I had OCD when I was younger and I might still have it. I, I don't think I do. Um, but anyways, uh, I, my parents, that was, that was their burden to bear as well. Um, you, in a family, you, you take care of each other. You look for issues and you say, hey, we're going to work on this together and we're going to get through this. And uh, that's what families do. Um, you want to see others maturing as well. In a family, you want to help each other grow and become the, the people that you need to be. You want to raise up good kids that'll, that'll be good husbands and good wives. Uh, in a church, we want to do that too. We want to see people spiritually maturing and people spiritually advancing and becoming the people that God wants them to be. Uh, in a family, uh, you, you build each other up. You want to encourage one another. Hebrews eleven twenty four and 25 says this. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is habit for some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Uh, Some of the same uh, things from our passage, there's unity there, there's fellowship there. They're saying, hey, we're going to act like a family and we're going to push each other. We're going to try to make each other grow. And this one, this one's probably my favorite. In, In a family, there are members that are annoying, but you love them anyways. Okay, and okay, but um, in that there, there, I think that's the same in a church. In church, there's people that are extra grace required people, and uh, you, you got to give that to them. You got to love them, and you got to want good for them still. Um, it, it just in every church, in every small group, and if you're sitting there and you're real excited, you're like, "Oh, Daniel, I'm so excited." We do not have one of those people in our groups. I hate to break it to you, but you're probably that person if you don't think that they exist in that group. So. Um, th- that's what happens when a church is unified. They act like a family. So what happens when there, there are people who are disunified in a church? I was trying to think of a good example for this, and I came up with a disgruntled employee. So uh, we all know what a disgruntled employee, maybe you've been one or maybe you've worked with one, but um, we all know kind of the, the way that they approach things. And here's, here's some uh, things that I see when there's disunity in the church. Um, people tend to criticize but offer no help. So you have people who they'll point out problems and they'll point out issues. Um, they may tell you, they'll say, hey, this ministry, this children's ministry, I don't like how it's going and it's not working. So they'll complain about it, but it's not as if they're willing to get in there and, and make things better. Um, you know, may, maybe they complain about uh, music or something, but they won't help with it. That's just how, how people work when, they're, uh, when their intent is their benefit. So that's our next point. They ask, what is, the, what is the church going to do for me? Or what is a way that I can benefit when there's disunity? So their concern is, is um, what's here for me? Is there any way that I can reap benefits for me but not have to give anything? Along the same lines, when, when you have that kind of mentality, people like that are only here until something better comes along. Um, so uh, you, you have someone who's, you know, like, hey, I'm here, I'm getting benefits. But if I find something that's better, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go with that. 
And, and what that typically leads to is when they leave, um, they, they may talk ill of the church. They talk bad about the leaders. They talk bad about, um, the, I wasn't treated well. I didn't receive enough. And I think that we want to we wanna lean more towards that, that family-oriented view of, hey, what can I do and how can I serve, rather than the view of what can I get and how can I be served. So um, that, that brings along two different type of people. There's people who go to church and there's people who belong to a church. Uh, there's a, a big difference between going somewhere and belonging somewhere. When we go somewhere, um, it's, it's easy to get out of it. You know, I, I went to the movies this weekend and I could have left anytime I wanted. I didn't have to stay there. You know, so we go to things like a restaurant or movies and our intent is to be served. That's why those places exist. We go to, you know, restaurants so we don't have to clean up afterwards. That's why we go there. Um, so I think that when we approach church with that kind of mentality, um, it becomes dangerous because then we go there and, uh, you know, we'll sit down and, and we'll say, we might say, that's a bad meal. I'm, you know, I'm not paying for it. You know, like we might have that a kind of, or it may be a good meal and we still don't want to pay for it. That's, so that's some people's mentality. Um, but when you belong to something, it, like in a family, um, man, you're investing in it. You're working in it. You want to see the benefit of that thing. So another thing I hear people say a lot, and you guys have probably heard this too, is you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Um, I, I was thinking about this. You also don't have to go home to be married. But in either case, there's a huge lack of the unity that was intended for that organization. So um, marriage, man, if you want to have a good marriage and relationship with your wife, you're going to have to spend time and effort and money and buy her things and take her out to eat and invest in her and love her well. Um, and, and if you don't do that, there's not going to be the unity that you want. The same with church. You, you, we need to be unified together. Sometimes uh, it's possible for us to not feel like we're worthy to, uh, to be in a church or to participate in a church, to feel like, uh, man, I don't deserve to be part of that family. Um, and, but, but we are adopted into the family of God. And I, I want to look at, this is a really cool part of this passage. Let's look in uh, verses 22 and 23 from earlier in this passage. And, and let's see who was in this church. Verse 22. Men of Israel, hear the words of Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan of God's foreknowledge, and you crucified him, and you killed him by the the hands of lawless men. And go down to verse 36. Let the house of Israel know, therefore, um, for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Okay, so who's in this church? The people who killed Jesus, okay? That, the, these, these people, and they're sinners. They're, they're, they're wicked like we are. And, and, and they, they, man, they, they were the ones who turned him over. They yelled, crucify him, crucify him. We don't want this guy to live. And they were the ones who, who spit on him and mocked him. And now they're, they're worshiping him. These are, man, this is the gospel. This is, this is God changing lives. Okay, let's look back in our original passage. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves. Okay, they, the people who killed Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, we killed Jesus, now we want to know more about Jesus. We want to we want to advance in our knowledge of Jesus. The fellowship, okay, now we not only do we kill this guy, but now we want to build our relationships about him. Our whole life is centered and built around this guy. The breaking of bread and prayers. So prayer, the only way, the only reason it's possible for them to pray is because the righteousness of Jesus given to them through his death in communion. 
Man, communion, that's just, that's a crazy one to me. Not only did, did, when they partake in communion, you know, we remember our sins. We remember Jesus being nailed to the cross and his blood that was poured out and his body that was broken. But these people remember being in the crowds. They remember yelling at him. They remember witnessing it. They, they remember saying uh, he saved others and now he can't save himself. And how ironic that, that when they were yelling that he was, he was providing salvation for them. That's, that's awesome to me. That's exciting that, that we, we, can, we are unworthy. But, but Christ died for us and he adopted us as his children. And, and, and man, he's good to us. And that's the gospel. The Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. That, that's what our God does. He takes people who are enemies and he calls them as friends. He loves them. While we're acting unlovable, he takes us and he pours grace and mercy and love up on us. He takes us, people who hate him, and he calls us his children and adopts us into his family. So what does this passage mean for us? We want to be a church that's devoted to these things. We, we want to we have good teaching. Um, we, we want to see other people spiritually advance and, and grow in their relationship with Christ. We want this to happen individually in our lives, but also corporately um, among, among small groups, among Bible studies, um, among campuses. We want to we see fellowship among campuses. Um, hey, tonight's a great night to try small group if you've never been to one because it's the last night we're doing small group. So if it's terrible, you don't have to make up an excuse as to why you didn't come back. You just wait till next year and pick a different group. So I, I would just encourage you to try one. I might even try a new one just to see how another one is. I don't know. Okay, but um, we, we want to be a church that's unified. Amongst members and campuses, we want to do life together and build authentic, deep, and transparent Christ-centered relationships. That's what we want to do as a church. Uh, we want to be devoted to communion. Uh, we we want to always remember the good things that Christ did for us on the cross. We want to honor him by remembering his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and remember the amazing benefits we get in that. We want to be a church that's devoted to prayer. We want to, we want to come to God with all of our needs and we want to uh, give them to him and, and not worry about him. Just say, God, you've got things under control and I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to place my hope in you. And we want to be unified. A, a church that, that's a family that stirs one another up and pushes one another forward. We, we want to make sure that, that we're doing all that. So, Would you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, you are truly amazing. God, thank you for your benefits. I thank you for your death on the cross and thank you for, for saving people who, who don't deserve you, God. For saving people who, man, we've, we've all acted wicked, God. We've rebelled against you and we've hated the things of you. But you've taken us and you've given us new hearts and new minds. And you've caused us to be people who now we love you. And now we can, we can do these things. We can devote ourselves to, to growing in you, to, to building relationships around you. You want to learn more about you, to, to praying to you, God, to ask you to bring us under your will and to remembering the, the great benefits we have in your, your death on the cross. Thank you so much for, for salvation, God. Help us to be a church that is unified and that loves each other. In your name we pray, amen.